1: PM Mood, the no talking points, no bullshit podcast that takes you behind the curtain off the red carpet and to the front lines of progress with change makers and innovators that are doing the work to shift our culture and expand our social impact. Y'all, I am so excited to bring you this incredible interview that I got to do pre-quarantine with legendary journalist Ed Gordon, author of the new book, Conversations in Black on Power, Politics and Leadership. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. I have been very excited to speak with you. We gotta get you out more. (laughs) (laughs) For a few reasons. One, because my background is in politics. I did not go to school for communications, but I got into communications kind of because of activism. And I think that as I have been going through your career, 30 plus years working literally at every network, in every place, from BET, CBS, NBC. You know, the question that you open up your book with is a question that I want to open up our conversation Mm -hmm. with, which is throughout the course of your career, you have seen so much. You have spoken to presidents, activists, leaders, members of Congress, and here we are in 2020. And the question that still permeates is, what is going on? (laughs) Well,
0: I think that's always a question, right? What's going on? It's a fair question for any generation. But I think for African-Americans in particular, because we were brought in quotes Uh here uh to this country, the sense of us not having control and needing to ask what's going on, not in the general sense of, hey, what's happening, what's going on, Uh -uh. but what is going on Uh because we don't control it has always been a question that we've had to grapple with. Because often we don't have control. We can't say, oh, well, this is going on or that's going on. Somebody else controls our what's going on. And so when I open up the book and I talk about Marvin Gaye asking that question musically Mm -hmm. um, so many years ago and having the idea of some of those same issues, same ills being so prevalent today You know, we say, oh, he was such a master. He was, he was Mm -hmm. all of that. But it was less about Marvin being able to see into the future as it is just we've not changed in this country enough that it hasn't made some of those ills outdated for us. And that's the real sense of what's problematic to me.
1: Do you find that that is a sense sometimes of hopelessness that black folks have? Because when we look, right, at our history. When we look at the progress that we've made, I mean, you can go back and you can say, "Well, we were brought here in bondage, yeah. and we were able to see a black president." So we want to be able to celebrate the paths that yeah. we have fought and the places that we've gone. But it doesn't look like a lot has changed from that but 1971 a lot has song, changed,
0: though, right? So a lot has changed, and a lot has changed quickly. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we forget that the change of a nation, those cogs move very slowly, we've been able to accelerate it very quickly. I think our sense of hopelessness as a black people is very fleeting. Mm. I think there are times that we feel, this isn't changing, it's always gonna be the same. The white man keeps us down, but that's very fleeting, which is why we've been able to survive Mm -hmm. and thrive, many of us, some of us. Because we are a strong people. For as downtrodden as they try to portray us, for as sometimes as overwhelming as our conditions have been in this nation, I see us as a strong people, as a people that I won't say no other people could have done this. I'm sure Jews would say that they lived through the Holocaust and they did and all. But when you look at the sheer Issues that we have dealt with, or the number of years that we have dealt with, we are a very strong people. Some of what we continue to trip over is self inflicted. And Mm. what I hope in terms of this book is that we start to look at new narratives, have different conversations, look at the things that brought us here that may now be obsolete and we need to put them aside. I'm not talking about people. Sure. I'm talking about issues because mm-hmm. I think that we are in need in some respects of new narratives, but there are other things that served us well. And I don't mean just the movement and marches. And, I'm talking about how we treat each other and what we've done and this sense of Black people really feeling like a family at times. I think that's lessened. In the 60s, I was born in 1960, so I don't know about the 60s, but I know about the 70s. 70s, yep and the 80s, and there was this sense I think a lot more of, even though now we say, hey sister, hey brother, that sense is not the same as it was in the 70s. There was a real sense of sisterhood, brotherhood amongst our community. There was a real sense of if you lived down the street that you are my child too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that has waned a little bit. Uh, certainly just proximity. Black people back then, we all had, to, I remember one of, I grew up in Detroit, one of the star uh, Detroit Lions, Charlie Sanders, who was a tight end, literally lived three blocks away. He was an all pro football player. Today,
1: he would live He would live somewhere else. So I wouldn't be able else, to, right. as
0: we did, walk up to his door three 12 year olds knock on his door, his wife answers. And we said, can we see Charlie? And then Charlie invite us in back to his den, show us his footballs, show us his trophies. That meant a lot to us. He wasn't this multimillionaire who lives somewhere else. Even though people and kids aspire to be LeBron James or whomever mm-hmm. today, um, Steph Curry or whomever, you can't touch them in the same way. That we were able to. So I think there's some things that we need to think about getting back to. And doesn't mean that a multi billionaire or millionaire is going to move back to your community, but this sense of being able to touch them more often than we do.
1: Well, when in that sense, you know, I think about Nipsey Hussle Mm -hmm. and I think about someone who actually was living in his community, right? And was very active and trying to build in his community. And then he was murdered in his community.
0: And we right? talk about that in the yeah. book. And some will say, some will argue that he shouldn't have been living there. Right. That he should have maybe continued to help, but but shouldn't have been necessarily right. living there in the way he lived there. So, but that's part of the discussion. That's part of mm-hmm. the conversation. Is that right? Is that wrong? Is there no right or wrong? Is that an individual's choice? I just want us to do two things with this book. I want us to find new narratives. I want us to start talking, not like we've been talking, just complaining or saying the same things. I want us to hold insightful conversations that empower us, not just leadership, but empower a 22-year-old who thinks she has no power to make change, or a 45-year-old who feels like... I got to continue, you know, working hard my nine to five to get that next promotion to know that we all have a stake in this game. And we all need to put something, some skin in the game of making all of us better, stronger, more independent, you know, becoming more financially sound as a community. So we're not living by means of gratitude to a corporation who funds, quite frankly, many of our organizations. These are the same companies, and we talk about this in the book, these are the same companies that in some respects cause the ills in our community, yet they give Mm $100,000 to a civil rights organization to put on their gala and their dinner. And we're cool with that. We have to start thinking about different ways to attack our issues. Why
1: do you think that we haven't been so expansive in the way that we've been thinking about the issues? Because I do think that it is important to have a space where you can vent, right? Like we are the only ones that understand what it is like to be black in America, to have to navigate all of these different obstacles that frankly were created by other people for us. And so what do you think, how do you, because I know the point of this book is to create new narratives in power, in politics, in leadership. What do you think has been missing?
0: So what makes it hard is that there's no right or wrong answer to that, Mm -hmm. because in some respects, we have been expansive. We have overcome. I remember I talk about it in the book, going to Chicago. I flew to Chicago to interview Barack Obama about a month or two weeks before he was going to announce that he was going to run. I knew him a little bit. We'd had some phone conversations, but didn't really know him well. I knew that he wouldn't announce on the show that day, but he might give me a little nugget. And I remember asking him, saying, you know, A senator, there whispers about you possibly running, and then he got into whatever spiel he was going to give me. And I remember as he was talking, thinking in my head, yeah, whatever, man. Yeah, bro, you ain't winning. You know, just don't embarrass us, do your thing, but you're not winning. But he believed, Mm. he believed, Mm. truly believed Mm -hmm. that he could do this. He believed we figured this thing out with social media, with young people, what's our threshold? Without that new narrative, without that new thought, we would have never seen what we saw, which gave my daughter, who's 25, an outlook and less baggage than I had at 25 when I thought, I'll never see a black president.
1: Right?
0: She doesn't have to grow up with that baggage. So I think that we sometimes don't give ourselves enough credit either. So the key is to just keep talking. What I'd love for us to do is maybe as organizations cobbled together for superhero fans and avengers like team you know <laughs> of maybe some of the black lives matter people and Nan and NAACP and the Urban League and tackle one specific issue. You can have your singular issues, but and I but know that one
1: specific pick, thing whether together. Whether it's education, whether mm-hmm. it's
0: police brutality, whether mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, closing the wealth gap. Yeah, find out what's that one issue that you all can agree on and say, look, we're going to, and then bring the things that you do best to the table, and let's attack that, and let's ask all of us, here's the issue that we are going to attack, whether it's. Police brutality, which I thought maybe that would have been it when there was such a fervor with the spate of killings that we Mm -hmm. saw with Trayvon and Michael Brown and Sandra Bland and Tamir Rice. And we can go on and on. And and, and that and that started to die away, as most causes do. And I think about, you know, the Montgomery bus boycott and how great those people were to keep that going for over a year. Mm -hmm. and never to lose the idea of this is what we're fighting for. This is what we're going to do. And surely that wasn't a nation, but that was a community of people. And they didn't let anybody waver. You know, they said, no, you're not getting on that bus, doc. We'll get a car. We'll pay you cab fare. We'll, you know, but you're not getting on that bus. And they didn't. And it not only changed Montgomery, but really changed the world, at least America. That's, I hope, what we can do.
1: It's not that the issues have changed so much. I think that it's the ways in which we have those conversations and the fact that we don't necessarily live in community the way that we did. You could do a Montgomery bus boycott back in those times because it was a very small community. Now we are everywhere and it feels like our problems are everywhere.
0: So... Let's take one problem Mm -hmm. that affects all of us no matter where you live, Mm -hmm. and that is racial profiling and the possibility of being unjustly arrested or killed by law enforcement. You can be a brother in the Bronx or you can be a movie star in in L.A. LA, Mm -hmm. and you can get pulled over in the same way. You can be harassed in the same way if they don't know it's Anthony Anderson or Jamie Foxx or whomever, you know, and heaven forbid, if they move the wrong way before they even got to the window. And they may not even know that it's Anthony Anderson or Jamie Foxx. You know, they might know Denzel, but they may not know all of us, right? There are issues that we could attack no matter where we live, our condition, our station in life that we could say this affects all of us, or if we, and this is not just black people, if we are of the belief that as we say, our children are our future and we really care about kids, then why are the school systems so poor? The vast majority of black kids who go to public schools will not be prepared for this modern world.
1: I live in Brooklyn and there are In the vicinity of where I live, there must be at least 10 public schools that are in walking distance of my house. There are only Black kids that go there, right? And from the outside, it seems fine, but I know better because I have worked in New York City public affairs system and know the public education system and know that they're all failing. And I say to myself, why? Why? Because Brooklyn is incredibly gentrified. New York is incredibly gentrified. And yet none of those white folks are putting their kids in public schools.
0: And we have to be honest about our conversations. We don't sometimes like to tell our truths out loud in public. I have argued with many a public school teacher who tries to defend often, not necessarily their particular school, but the system as a whole. And then they will say to me, well, you're a public school graduate. And I say to them, a proud one. Mm -hmm. But the system I grew up in, in 1970, 71, 72, through my graduation in high school in 1978, is not the same school system that a kid in Detroit would have to deal with today. So please don't tout me as a college or a high school graduate who went through the public school system, who did well, and assumed that that system could turn me out today.
1: Yeah, that's incredibly important. Somebody who does have a very singular focus is Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams, having been robbed of the governorship in Georgia, is very focused on voter suppression is very focused on creating a machine to enlist and inspire and engage Black people, Latinx people, women, young people in activating their right Mm -hmm. to vote. That has always been a huge issue in the community. And we see what happens, a la Donald Trump, when people decide to opt out of the system. Could that be something?
0: Could be. It could be. I mean, you know, you look at Andrew Gillum and others who have also uh, thrown their hat in the ring to make sure that they design organizations and watchdog groups to try to suppress the voter suppression. So you have to ask yourself if the NAACP, if Urban League, if now, and well, maybe not Urban League because of their stance in terms of the organization they are, but whomever we want to dictate as those who would be on that front lines. Maybe that would be one of those things. Certainly, if you did that as a collective versus all of these little silos, it would be stronger. But I think we'll find out the medal of black people for this election. Mm-hmm. If you don't realize now that mm-hmm. sitting out got you not only Donald Trump, but I tell people it's not about Donald Trump. He'll either be gone in four or eight years. It's about all of these judges he's appointed
1: mm-hmm.
0: who have lifetime appointments.
1: Over 150? Who will
0: deal with your children
1: mm-hmm.
0: and make life harder for your children. So I think we have to start to say A, we cannot sit out, and you can't allow, even if you don't love the candidate, this to happen again because. Hillary Clinton ran a poor campaign. She did not speak to black people in the way she should. I would deal with her campaign once a month saying, look, I got to a point where I said, if you're not going to sit with me, sit with Roland, sit with, you know, anybody, anybody, anybody. Just talk to black folk in a way that you're not. It's not enough to go with Beyonce and Jay-Z on stage and take a selfie with LeBron James and assume that that's enough. It's not enough. So poor campaign notwithstanding, what we, have not to do,
1: <laughs> what we have to
0: do is say to whomever we give our vote to, mm-hmm. we're going to give it to you. But when you get in office, you will no longer take us for granted. Often an uneducated voter believes that their power stops at election day. Right. The reality is your power should start the day after election day. Mm-hmm. You should be able to walk in, you know, Quid pro quo has become famous through Donald Trump. Right. But that's what politics has always been about. Okay, I gave you my vote. Mm -hmm. Now this is my expectation. And not to be afraid to go in there and demand it. And that comes not only from individuals, but that should be our leadership. And it's not enough to demand that just because your leader has an open door policy with whomever is the president, that's not enough. You know, the fact that you get to take pictures and be at the press conferences, that's not enough. What else are we getting? I think that we've got to become more sophisticated in our politics.
1: You know, but I also think that that goes back to the failings of our public education system and the failings of civics in general. By background, I'm an educator, was an early childhood educator, believe very much in building up the education and creating global citizens that will take on the world. And I think that what is always frustrating to me and what I try and advocate in terms of the responsibility of your citizenship, imagine having your daughter you didn't drop her off in kindergarten and pick her up in 12th grade at graduation Though that having would have been having cheaper. <laughs> but that. having no parent teacher conference, right. having no engagement whatsoever, not following up and asking her who her friends were, who she's hanging out with, engaging with her teachers and understanding what her interests are and how she's changing over that time. So- it's the same way that folks don't engage with their elected officials once they vote for them. But that's just
0: it. There's nothing in this book that is so earth shattering that we uncovered something new. Mm -hmm. The answers are there. We have to just believe that those answers work. And what's interesting is we have to stop chastising those of us that don't agree that it should be left instead of right. The reason that I try to Have this broad selection of people. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, literally, the first name on the front cover is Maxine Waters, and the last name before we get to and many more is T.I. completely different. Mm -hmm. And we run the gamut in between. What we need to do is find commonalities and common ground to say, look, I may not agree that the answer is charter schools, but I do believe that we have a problem with our community and law enforcement. So let's hold hands on that. You do charter. I'm going to stick with public, but doggone it, we're going to work together on this. There are things that we can agree. We all need to say this impacts and affects all of us. And let's move to that. And again, I still say a good litmus test is the 2020 election.
1: It's going to be a test. All right. It's going to be a test. What? What someone said
0: that? to me, forgive me, but someone yeah. said to me uh, the other day when we were doing an interview, but what, what are we going to do if Trump wins? What do we gear up with? I said, then it's too late to gear up.
1: Mm.
0: Gearing up for Trump is right now. Mm-hmm. Gearing up for Trump is making sure that you go to the polls and not only, you know, it's cliche, but it works. When you go, take somebody and take somebody else and take somebody else. You know how you get four girlfriends and you go to the concert? Get those four and go to the polls. You got to have five dudes to run a pickup game. (laughs) Get them five dudes and let's go to the polls. It's real. There are solutions here for some of these problems. So Trump doesn't have to get a second term. And if he does, and if he does, shame on us. We have the numbers. Democrats always have the numbers. We always
1: have the numbers, which is why voter suppression is real. We have the numbers. Which I is, don't think the suppression. Why. We'll you... be
0: the same though this time. You don't? I do I don't. I really don't. I do think that let me say this. If we're smart mm-hmm. again, yeah. people like Stacy and uh, you know, the, the eyes will be much keener than they were the last time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that it can't happen. It doesn't mean it that does mean they will find a new right, trick. Right. right. I'm not suggesting that, yeah. but I am suggesting too, if you turn out. I mean, just look at the percentage of people who are registered but don't vote. It's hard to suppress huge numbers.
1: That's what I keep right? saying. It's right. hard
0: to do that. right? If you keep those numbers low, which is why the Russians and the bots were, yep. you know, they're against black people because they said if we can keep them away, then we've got a better chance. So we have to, again, be an educated voter and know and understand that this is perhaps arguably the most important election of your lifetime, save maybe you can argue on the other side Obama's was, but it's important. And it's even more important for our children. And so my take is we've got to turn out. We've got to turn out in so many numbers. It's almost like um watching the NBA. Mm. Though it can happen, it's hard to lose a 30-point lead. You can get down and they can come back 28, but they couldn't get that last bucket to tie it up or two to win it, even though they chipped away and got it down to 28 points. So it'll be hard if you have record turnout to suppress that vote, where it'll make a difference.
1: Right. You can't lie about people wrapped around polls right. waiting for hours well, to you vote. can, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Right. He did lie about pictures of his inauguration. What is the thing that you most want folks to take away from your book, Conversations in Black? What do you want people, young people, older people... To walk away with
0: that you have power, that you are not just on the sidelines, and that you have to accept what is coming your way. You cannot change everything. There's some things that you cannot control. But a mentor of mine was a great uh, Johnny Cochran, mm. and I remember Johnny telling me one day through um, the O.J. fiasco, every time something crazy would happen. I was in his office with him, and he said to me, Ed, the only thing you have control of in a crisis is your reaction during it. And Oh, I love that. I want people to understand no matter what is happening, you have control of you, and if you can figure out your way to at least stabilize yourself, or mitigate some of the the falling debris that's going to hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to survive it better. Yeah. And so, but you have to know that I can dodge it. I can pick up this garbage can top and cover my head. Whatever the case may be, whatever metaphor you want to use, raining, you get an umbrella. Whatever it is, you have the power. To help shape your life, you know, when people say you control your own destiny, you can't control destiny in its true form of what destiny means. But you can control some things that come across your desk. And we have to start believing that we have more control in our lives and our condition as a people here in this country than we've believed of late.
1: Brilliant. Ed Gordon, thank you so much for joining PM Mood. The book is Conversations in Black on Power, Politics and Leadership. Pick it up, buy it as a gift, get it for everyone. We have a lot of work to do and it's incredibly inspiring. Thank Thank you. Thank
0: you for having me.
1: If you want to hear more from me, check out my live daily political talk show, Woke AF Daily at DNR Studios. You can subscribe now at www.dnrstudios.com woke. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right Rug Flooring.